0: Hey there, welcome back. I'm Chris Scott. Craig with me, just doing some general talk here on the Highland. uh Super Bowl is coming up. Craig, I feel like we're talking a lot about the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's, it's all good. It <clears throat> goes um, Super Bowl ads. Uh, Craig, I'm seeing $6.5 million is a going rate for a 30-second sure. commercial. Now, Craig, we're journalists. I think companies have money to spend that, so... I don't want to, you know, adopt this outrage on <laughs> cost of the Super Bowl commercial, but no. Here's the thing, and you know, I told you I wanted to talk about Super Bowl ads I we liked and remembered, and there's some that I do, but I guess what would really make an effective Super ad, Super ad, Super Bowl ad, is that you're thinking about the product, but you're also trying to spend money, yeah, because. I'm I mean, yeah. To get your name out there it takes money. That you may not get back, but geez, for six point five million, you better see some return on investment, like <laughs> some type
1: of sales or, or something. Yeah. I don't know. I've always thought of that. Like I've, I mean, I've always understood the idea of advertising, but I've also kind of wondered too. Like, look, if you like Doritos or Bud Light you don't need a a good commercial to make you continue buying Doritos or Bud Light, right? You just need to make sure they don't mess up the, you know, the recipe. But, you know, maybe for some people where they're kind of on the fence of their snacks and they might watch a, a, you know, Super Bowl ad and they might like the Doritos commercial because usually they come up with something fun. And then all of a sudden, next time they're out, maybe they might try it. And that's all they need is to, is for people to try it. And then maybe you get hooked and all of a sudden you've got a new customer. It, you know, is that going to be enough for a return on investment? Well, if you have enough of those people that do that, then yeah. But I think it's one of those, you got to spend money to make money. And you always have earmarked money for for ads like this and for advertising and TV and whatever. So I kind of think it's, it's more about, they know that, you know, they probably won't get a new person to to, you know to go out and buy their product they might get a few here and there and it might add up to 6.5 million but for the most part they're doing this on the strength of they're already a pretty strong brand as it is and people are buying it and Doritos and Pepsi and Bud Light they're making profits every year so they can afford to spend a little bit of money on something like this like a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, I kind of think, and where we currently work now, we work away from our ad
0: people. So I really haven't had a ton of discussions on what works and what doesn't. But I used to work for a small weekly group of papers. I ran the editorial side. So I signed in on some of the ad meetings. And it was funny because a lot of the objections that they heard from them was they said, look, we don't have money now. We can't buy advertising off you wait yeah. until we start making lots of money, and then we'll buy advertising off you. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, is that the same mindset maybe with some people are buying these Super Bowl ads? Because I don't think someone's going to be like, oh, Craig, we're going under what's our last $6.5 half million Super Bowl and hopefully we'll make that money back. Is it more of, like you said, these qualified stand-up brands that sit there and say, okay, we're Budweiser or we're whatever your top company is. Because we're Budweiser, we need to put ads on the game. You know what I mean? It's almost like a status symbol to say, all right, if you don't see Budweiser there, it's not like we're going to lose all of our customers. Right. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, so it's almost like it's a status symbol where you're going to look back if you're not a super-advertiser.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, like I said, I just don't know that you're going to make a huge return on an investment. You're talking about thirty <laughs> seconds, six point right. five million dollars, and for some people, they do a, a a longer spot. Some people do multiple, you know, multiple spots. So you're talking maybe twelve million or more dollars spent on advertising for one night. However, it does have the most eyeballs that you're going to see, and that's why it's important for them to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's a brand status. It's just making sure that people know that you're still out there. And, and, you know, first, like I said, it's, I think if, if you got a catchy commercial, like the Clydesdale, you know, have, has always been a big thing. You know, Doritos always seems to come out with fun commercials every year. Snickers as well has done that over the past, you know, dozens of years. So it just, it makes sense to do this, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think you ever really get an ultra-big return on investment. You just hope that the people that you already have hooked will continue to stay hooked on your products.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the stats almost where you find the ROI. Like, you look at your competitors and you say, hey, if we're the most noble beer brand out there, the fact that we're on there doesn't mean right. sales are going to go up 20%, but the fact that we're there. Because, yeah, I mean, I think in the discussion of Super wide ads after the game, you're going to notice. I mean, you're going to be like, Dang, why didn't ones have a hat or why didn't that Pepsi have a hat? Right. Uh, if you see him in the past. So it, it's interesting. It, you know, I, I got to say, some of the funny, more recent ads. Like, I like the one with Jason Alexander. I can't even tell you what it was for. Like, he was. Oh, well, it was a detergent where. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> like, he was. They were trying to get the detergent out of his shirt. And, like, he tried yeah. that detergent. And. Uh, it was funny, kind of determine what you had to go through. But see, here's the thing: I don't remember that company. And, and wouldn't a good Super Bowl ad mean you remember the company, and not just saying, "Hey, you know," like like I liked the one uh, I think it was a year or two ago with um, well Ashton Kutcher and his wife. Um,
1: oh, Mila Kunis.
0: Yeah, uh, where they had the guy, they played the song "It Wasn't Me," and yeah, you know, but. Honestly, Craig, maybe it's because we're we're taping this late. I do you know the? Oh, it was the cheetos. Yeah, the cheetos. But you know that that's not coming to my brain a lot. Right, right. So, I, I you're right. It's a sad symbol, but don't you at least want to know what that SAS symbol is? You know. So yeah. I'm sitting here going, man, Ashton and Mila Kunis were funny, but what was the yeah uh, company? I mean, I now again. I forget a lot of stuff so maybe it's me but
1: it didn't work for me i guess yeah i always kind of remember the doritos commercials are always usually pretty good i i especially like the the time travel one where the kid said it's you know costs like a bag of doritos to go back in time and then he gets run off the front yard by the old man that kind of looks like he would be the old man of that kid right. and you know he thinks it actually was a time machine and stuff so you know I I, I kind of remember brands. I don't remember every specific commercial from Doritos, but I do remember their brands usually have some pretty good commercials. You know, the Budweiser Frog one was always sort of a historical one that, you know, everybody started talking about. Um, You know, it's, you know, there's countless, you know, the Clydesdales are always a dominant figure on the, on Super Bowl ads. You know, like I said, do these, do they work for the companies? yeah. I don't know if they care if it works other than just being able to have the brand be out there to as many people as possible and and the the super bowl is going to give you millions of viewers and that's why you advertise with them because it's your chance to get the most eyeballs possible and it also helps too i think even though the demographics probably aren't as skewed towards like the men and young men audiences for the super bowl because the families watch them and girlfriends and spouses and, and people of all ages kind of watch the Super Bowl but you know it's it's not a surprise where you see beer snacks pop things like that are the dominant you know those are sort of the dominant commercials that are the funniest ones but you know the Jason Alexander one that you referenced I looked it up it was tied you know oh, so obviously okay. you know that's that's geared towards adults because they're the ones that are buying laundry detergent you know so. Uh, you know, so you get commercials for everybody, you know, you get movie commercials, I always, I always used to really be enthralled by which movies would get their commercial, like a lot of summer movies would get their debut commercials at the Super Bowl, and that won't be any different this time around, where there'll be a lot of, you know, you might see a new, a new trailer for the Batman, or, you know, Doctor Strange 2, so, you know, there's always, you know, fun things to look forward to. And then there's probably going to be a really good commercial. There's going to be some hits and misses like there always are. That's just the way the Super Bowl works. What's the lead – I think they call it lead-out program like the show they air after the Super Bowl. I know
0: Peacock is doing <clears>
1: – it's it. Yeah, it's going to be Peacock, the Peacock original Bel Air, so the uh darker take on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So it's a new – New take on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's supposed to be a little bit darker, not as comical as the Will Smith version of it. So they're showing that on regular NBC. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be on regular NBC, but I think their goal is to try to entice people because you'll be able to stream the Super Bowl on Peacock, and I think they're trying to entice people to 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 go that route. And maybe maybe they will put it, put it on NBC just to try to get some eyeballs and try to get those people to you know be enticed enough to subscribe if they like the show um so I think it's a brilliant idea this is really the first time in the streaming era that we've had a kind of exclusively streaming show is going to be the main broadcast after the Super Bowl so I kind of wonder if you know like CBS and and NBC you know or CBS and other people might follow suit with this in the coming years where instead of having a network program on Maybe they might try to entice streamers, you know, and, and say, you know, hey, this is going to be the, the the next show that's out. We want you to subscribe to our streaming service. So it's actually a pretty. I, I think it's a it's risky, but it's kind of brilliant too, though, because it could pay off.
0: Well, in, in the answer to the question, um, you know, we talked about this last week with the um, Olympics being on like the same time. You know, hmm. obviously the Super Bowl takes priority, but. You figure out, okay, what are you airing? I mean, you got to air some Olympics. I know the Olympics are on Peacock and other places, but for the traditional viewers, I guess the lead-out program—it's just going to be some Olympics coverage. You got um, yeah, women's that's true too, yeah, mono bob and bobsled and free dance and figure skating. That's what's exactly. on uh, NBC after the Super Bowl. So,
1: not a bad idea either. I mean, you're already. Uh... I guess the assumption is you're already getting a lot of eyeballs on that and uh, certainly you know the olympics are are going to be pretty big and at 10 o'clock at night that's still prime time for olympic coverage um you know not necessarily i don't think they're going to have you know top of the line programming on that night you know they might have some figure skating because figure skating is like an everyday thing almost now in the olympics but, you know, it's it's a good idea. And then, of course, on Peacock, if you want to check out Bel Air, you certainly can do that too. So I think they've got two, uh, you know, two pr- pretty big things on their hands here. And I think it would be kind of cool if they would have gone with Bel Air. But I think because of the Olympics being now, it sort of made sense for the Olympics to be the lead out. We talked about this briefly. I just want to mention this. It was funny because, um, you know,
0: I've been doing some historical pieces for Cincinnati Choir. I it just. On old Bengals, you know, game Super Bowl games, and let me pull this up because I thought this was interesting. Uh, Nineteen eighty-two was their first Super Bowl, it was in Detroit against San Francisco, and the lead-out program was um, a episode of Sixty Minutes, and it didn't really make it clear if you know was this a special Sixty Minutes? Did they have some big investigation we revealing? Maybe, but at least in my research, it just like you know, 60 minutes episode. as about it. And then what was even more interesting, and again, every Super Bowl, there's something different and something that um, I you say it. Well, like Bel Air, we think that it's going to be a really successful show for Peacock, but who knows? The show might bomb. And speaking of bombing, uh, NBC, they aired it was like this movie, I believe, in 89. Okay. And that movie, I'm not going to make you guess because you're, you're never going to guess this. Brotherhood of the Rose.
1: Yeah, yeah that's uh, not sure about that one. So.
0: Well, apparently it was a big deal. And actually, I, I embedded the video from YouTube. There was like a trailer of Brotherhood of the Rose. It kind of looked a little action-thrillery. I mean, yeah, that's one of those things that, you know, back in '89, they're like, "Holy crap, it's Brotherhood of the Rose," you know? Yeah. And I don't know if it was a show or a movie. Or it, it was kind of, it was strange. Yeah.
1: So, well, I see it got 32 million viewers according to Wikipedia, which there you go. You know, that's it, it did better than the Wonder Years, the day the the season before, and it did better than Grand Slam, which I'm not sure what Grand Slam is. The the year after, um the 60 minutes one in 2000 there's actually one in 92 that did 24 million viewers which you know kind of interesting but um you know it's it, it it's really strange you just don't know who to you know i mean the friends of 52.9 million viewers for friends in 1996. yeah that's uh oof, survivor did 45.3 million in 2001. Well, either you uh, promote a new show or you just
0: say, Hey, you know, I mean I think the office had a post super bowl episode once and you know, you just say, Hey, let's run out our best and make sure people stay um,
1: The Mask the Masked Singer had one in twenty twenty, oh, they jeez. did twenty-seven million. <laughs> interestingly cool. interestingly enough, um, you know, like twenty-four legacy got like a seventeen point five Brooklyn Nine Nine got a fifteen, which kind of was to be expected, I think. But it's been a while since they've had like a really like huge number. Like The Voice did thirty-seven million in two thousand and twelve. Yeah. So it's been a while since they've had like holy crap numbers. Maybe the Olympics will be that. You know, uh, if if the Olympics can't can't capitalize on the post Super Bowl, then I think the Olympics. Coverage is probably just not going to ever be the same, you know, honestly.
0: Well, here's what I do with the Olympics. We talked in a previous little segment about what we do. I just give them another idea. Don't run at the same time as the Super Bowl. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, they, you know, I mean. Push it it's well, I think what happened was this was sort of a perfect storm because the Olympics are usually – in February, but I think the perfect storm was the fact that the NFL season was expanded by another game.
0: Yeah, which I saw hate,
1: which matches sixteen games. Which, technically speaking, that means the Super Bowl would have been this weekend. Now, granted, it still would have, or last weekend, I should say. Which means it maybe it would have bumped into the to the Olympics, but maybe the Olympics could have pushed it back, you know, by a week, knowing the Super Bowl is usually the You know it used to be the first sun or the second sunday or whatever the first sunday in february but you know what though i don't you know i think the the way nbc looks at it is they've got programming for anybody on sat on sunday night they've got the super bowl for those who want to watch the super bowl and they've got the olympics which means if you don't want to watch the super bowl but you like the olympics you're going to watch the olympics if you don't care for the olympics you might watch the super bowl and then be like well maybe i'll check out the olympics afterwards because you said previously that you haven't even really cared about the olympics or you know caught anything well maybe someone like you might stick around for an hour who knows i gotta be be up at
0: six the next morning working (laughs) thankfully i work from home i don't have to drive anywhere yeah but i mean i'm probably gonna be out before the end of the
1: game i'll probably
0: wake up next morning Hey,
1: but that's kind of what they're banking on though i think is they're hoping that there's going to be some like every show, there's going to be some retread, you know, viewers. There's going to be the people that are going to tune in for that primetime Olympic spot anyway. But then there's also going to be carryover, which is why ratings are usually better than normal on the carryover after the Super Bowl.
0: Well, A, what, hey, what else does the NBC have right now to put out there? Yeah. And two, you know, they're fighting streamers. So, I mean.
1: Right. But you know what, though? That's the only competition. Because other than that. You're not no other cable network is going to have programming on that's going to be new or try to really rival the Super Bowl because people know they're not going to beat the Super Bowl. And, you know, with the Olympics on after that, you know, yeah, streamer, you're always going to have to deal with streamers. But, you know, most people might be streaming Peacock at that point because maybe they want to watch the Super Bowl. and They don't have cable. Well, you can sign up for Peacock and get the Super Bowl on Peacock.
0: Here's the other thing. I don't think it was after Super Bowl, but um, the Good Wife, you know, the old uh, CBS show. Yeah, uh, they moved to Paramount Plus. Uh, they changed the main uh, character, and then they now it's called The Good Fight. They tried to premiere that on CBS, and you know, The Good Fight. It's a standard fair streaming show, it's kind of KHBO. I mean, there's not any limitations on swearing or uh, maybe sexual situations or whatever else the case might be. But it was funny. They they actually debuted the good fight on CBS. They cleaned it up. They took swearing. They took some of the uh, sex scenes out of it. And it, it must have been strange because I think they were hoping that people would sign up for it. But probably people who didn't want to see that stuff got a really big surprise. And they're like, all right, this looks good. And they're like, whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't, it, I don't know how much. It was
0: ended down.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't know how much language or sex stuff there's in there. But, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, certain things that you probably don't want to do that to. Because if you sanitize it so much, people are going to think, okay, this is a CBS type of show and then they get to Paramount Plus and they realize it's not a CBS type show it's a streaming show that you you get what you pay for in the premium you know the premium payment so yeah that probably not the best idea I've seen that a lot though not that they've sanitized the the editing but I know TBS has has put on some HBO Max shows on their programming so I think Turner Warner Media has tried to you know gain some interest that way and they've put stuff on TBS um which you know is probably not a bad idea but some stuff you know if you have to sanitize it then people right. don't really realize what it is now granted some of the shows that they put on there have been geared more towards a young adult audience which would be inclined to probably not care so much if there's you know cursing or whatever but yeah that's that's kind of an interesting situation that maybe CBS didn't really realize what they were doing there
0: right yeah I mean a good fight isn't a crazy but you know, you got to take the outlook yeah. out. You got to take any, you know, I don't think they were showing hideously graphic uh, sections, but you know, you can't. On network TV, you got to be careful when you put out there. So. Yeah. Yep. It, it becomes tough. So, um. yeah, so we'll have to see what happens on the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll be back next week to talk about that. You know, we have shows every day. But hey, pull back the curtain a little bit. We tape these on Wednesday night. Craig and I are meeting every day. <laughs> we've tried that before, and our wife said no. So uh, we're here one night a week. But hey, we're still giving you a ton of good content. Uh, Craig, right at the end of our night, so let me figure out what we can promo. Uh, man, we've got. I mean, I'm trying to <clears> add more content. There's too much content to shake a sick at. Um, we've got all of our regular shows. Um, sometime this week, a guy got Anthony Munoz out. Um, he had some good comments about the um, Super Bowl. Mark Schlerf, he doesn't like the Bengals. <laughs> if you don't like the Bengals either, it was kind of funny. Um, what else did we talked to? Man, it's been a long week. Um, we had, well, you know, Craig and I, lots of shorts conversations that we'll get out there through the week. Uh, we'll tape something with Laura about the next Fraser and Seinfeld episode. Yep. Um, yeah, a separate show with Joe Castle. Uh, we got to tell Joe he's got to come on this show. I, I think we have a little miscommunication there. Uh, but what do we talk Oh, Dane Drops. We talked about him, and we talked about the Dame Drops touring experience, Craig.
1: Yeah, can't Craig, wait for that one.
0: Craig and I are getting these super expanded VIP tickets. <laughs> yeah. So we can greet him and be called very cool people. That's what you get for yeah. him. So hey, if you want to hear more about that, uh check us out there. Um Craig, I like like liked what you did. Bob Garver, 1 quick movie reviews. Yeah. Man, what we should to talk about tomorrow. You sent me we we,
1: we will be uh, talking about uh, the Oscar nominations coming out Tuesday oh. morning. So Bob's gonna give us uh, Almost a real-time uh, look at that because they come Ooh, out very, very early in the morning East Coast time. And Bob and I are going to record essentially right after they're done. So Oscar nominations coming out tomorrow. And, um, of course, on Thursday I'll be talking about Oscars with George uh, Thomas as well. Uh, so uh, tis the season for movie lovers.
0: Yeah, that might be something. I used to like to put stuff out at midnight. But, then, yeah, if you got time, call me in the morning. We, maybe we'll put out right away. Just a
1: yeah
0: it's out yep. there. all right well sounds good well long night but hey we do this for you and it's it's fun we enjoy doing it ourselves uh craig we're a couple days away from Super Bowl. Can the Bengals pulled off well <laughs> well yeah we should find out more about sunday night uh for craig this is chris thanks for checking out the highland podcast that we're get great there hi i'm jennifer mooney